Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. All right, good afternoon. Welcome to a Monday as we start the new week. Post-Kilmeade Christmas, if you will. We had a great event on Friday night. Fred and uh, Sue are in the studio. Abby's making her way in. I believe... Um, Tricia, who helped organize the whole event, and she lives in Illinois. I think she just got home from Friday night because it was <laughs> so far away from where she left. But what a great time on Friday. How is everybody? Yeah, great. It was so fun, was it not, Fred? It really was. And, you know, events like that make me really appreciate our listeners so yes. much because they were so nice yeah. and so happy to be there and so engaged. It was wonderful. I had several people say to me, it's really nice to be surrounded by like-minded people which is not uh, what we find anymore in society. So they were just happy to be around others who thought kind of the same way they did. It was fantastic. I, I knew it was going to be fantastic. I said to Tricia on Saturday morning, and for those of you who weren't there, you really did miss a special occasion. We yeah. had a great time at the MAC last year. I didn't think anything could really outdo the MAC. I think this may have done it. Mm-hmm. Now, there were a couple, if we're being honest here, we always learn from these events as well. For those of you who were there, there were a couple of complaints. We didn't have the audio blasting too loudly in the back of the room. It was a big room. We had about 350 people in there, so that was a bit of an issue. And we didn't have an elevated stage, yeah. and because of that, you, you couldn't see Brian and the rest of us as well. Now, we'll, we'll take that into consideration for, yes, for the next events. But, you know, considering that, and some people did bring that up to me. They were very nice about it. They're respectful. Yeah. They know that there were some challenges. And then the whole way, that's a beautiful facility out there. Yeah. Silo Point, Brookdale nice. Farms. But the way that the room was set up, because we had so many people, if you wanted to get to the bar, everyone basically had to line up. Uh, how, how would you describe this? Is that vertically or horizontally? I don't know. Uh, yeah. But it was horizontally, <laughs> wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that was not quite as effective. But outside of that, Brian was fantastic. He got there. They ended up leaving here. And for those people who missed the uh, the 4 o'clock hour, we weren't sure if we were going to get Kilmeade here. But he got here into the studio. They checked into the hotel, went out to Eureka. Everyone got going. We ate. Everything kept on time. Yeah. Now, however... Some people stayed longer than others, I understand. <laughs> you know, here's what's funny. Sue, did you leave before me? I'm not sure. Well, I, I'm starting to get nudged by Cox and Annie. Like, hey, Reardon, when are you going? Like, because, because apparently I'm the uh, I'm the, the, yeah, the trendsetter. Yeah, you go. Right. You're the yeah. canary in the coal And I'm like, well, I can't, now I can't do that. If I'm the first one, you guys are going to follow me. But we all kind of, I think, at a certain point around. Um, in the know, nines, 10. No, I think it was a little after 10. Yeah. Fred, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, it was a little after 10 for the talent. But you guys stayed till the bitter end, didn't you? Producers stuck around till yeah. the bitter end around 11 o'clock. Brian Kilmeade stayed till maybe 10 to 11. Yeah. Just finishing signing books and right. talking to people. Well, he was amazing. We knew that he would do that, and his speech was really good. I'm yeah, just going to say really this. Was. I think the speech this year was better than last year. Maybe it's because the book this year is better than last year. I mean, I'm, I'm just being picky here, mm-hmm. but it was very— 
inspirational. Yes. And, you know, he, he just rattles it off. And I know he does this on a regular basis. It was funny because one of the things that we were worried about, and I asked him about this on Friday night, Fred, I said, do you ever, have you ever gotten into a situation where a flight's delayed or late and you can't make it? Because it's the worst case scenario that runs through, I know it ran through Trish's mind, it ran through our minds. Well, what happens if, if he can't make it? And he said, no, that hasn't happened yet. And I said, well, I screwed Dallas for you, didn't I? I basically, I just jinxed Dallas. So, but no, I think they had a good weekend overall. I think he was on with uh, Mark Cox. But thank you to everyone. And, and I say this humbly, too, because I, I don't even know if this translated when I was having a conversation with some listeners the other night. It's for someone like me. I don't know if you guys would put yourself in the same category. This is the only thing I've ever done in my life is talk on the radio. All right. Mm. I started when I was 15 years old and professionally, it's the only thing I've ever done. So to me, the concept of a listener, and I know you're out there, I'm talking to you right now. It's just a little surreal because when people come up to you, it's not like an ordinary situation where you go up to someone at a party and say, hey, I love you. I listen. <laughs> you know, you don't do that to people. Right. Now, I deeply appreciate that, and we deeply appreciate it. It's just, for me, it's always been a little awkward. Does that make sense, Sue, what I just said? It does. Uh, it does. But uh, it's nice when they do, because it's nice to meet everybody and uh, hear what they have to say. You know? I, I was struck by a couple things. Uh, one, my, you know, one of our good listeners, Marty Guilfoyle, was there again. He's at every event. Another one was a 22-year-old guy named Taylor. That's right. Who was mm-hmm. been listening to us for a couple years, ever since he got his car and it was set on KFTK. And he's 22, and he listens, doesn't yeah, I think miss I met it. him, too. He's a great guy. Yeah. By all appearances. But he came by himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paid that money, a, a 22-year-old, to sit at the, the table at the Kill Meat event. We were impressed. That's very impressive. Well, yeah. we had a great time. And the I understand I didn't get to eat because I didn't have time, but I understand the food was good. <laughs> it was good. And it was the great. drinks were good, and I know that there was some dessert as well. The most popular person in the room outside of Kill Meat had to be Sue Thomas. It there's, was there's Sue. no doubt about it. <laughs> it was Sue. I thought where's the guy Sue? Was... Mark, where's Sue? Hey, how are you? Would you like to meet me? No, I don't really want to meet you. I want to meet Sue. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, Sue? where's Sue? Hey, I no, like you. Okay, no, Mark, but no. Sue's much better. Where is she? No, no. I was like, that's what it was. It's okay. <sighs> you, you need to embrace it. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's very kind of people to be interested. How about that? I think it's because I sound like not what I look like. So people are uh, interested to see Here, what that is. Here's you know a takeaway. I mean? Yeah, I do. But here's a takeaway. And, and this applies to you and Fred and Abby and everyone. And, and this is something as a host, you, you kind of wonder all the time. Because, look, we, we do a lot of politics. I do a lot of issues, right? That's sort of the main focus of the show, but not always. And I think there's a perception out there, especially from people who, and I've dealt with this for a long time as the guy that followed Rush Limbaugh. Everyone has an idea, you know, of what you do. You know, you're full of right-wing hate if you're you know, oh, not I someone on, on the right. And, and in this particular case, I think... On this station, if you don't listen on a regular basis, you think, oh, it's just right-wing politics, right? They're not having any fun on that show or on that station, which, as you know, is exactly the opposite. So I bring it up because I heard from a lot of people a lot of consistency in the relatability to the show. And and they weren't talking about politics, okay? Mm -hmm. They were talking about Mm -hmm. everything else that makes the show what it is, which you guys all Mm -hmm. make possible, the listeners and the people in the room here, Fred and Sue and Abby. And that, that's important to me. It really is because you, you, you going back to my earlier point, you know, in order to have an audience, you got to keep an audience happy and satisfied. Yes. And they have to keep, you know, wanting to come back. So we, we appreciate it. And thank you. And for those of you who, you know, couldn't make it, we're going to hopefully offer a bunch more events in 2024. We have the election coming up. We have Fish Fry Fridays. So plenty of opportunities to get out. You have a yeah, trivia night coming better up? Better be doing that. Yeah, we I do know. have a trivia night coming up here um, that I'll give you some details. That's for SSM Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital as well. And you can go to 971talk.com slash care if you'd like to find out more about that. Uh, that's on the 5th of January. Apparently I'll be doing that with Mr. Tom Ackerman and um, 
somebody else. Who else? Julie Tristan. Oh, Julie Tristan from KZK as well. All right, so what do we have on the show today, Fred? Oh, we've got a you, lot of really good stuff. You we, couldn't watch the football game last night, I understand. <laughs> no, they've, they've got that blackout thing again oh, no. with a local channel on a cable system. So I have AT&T Uber, so I couldn't watch. It was Channel 5 has been blacked out for oh, a week or so. I was torn last night, Sue. I really was because, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan, but I, I uh, uh, my wife's a Packers. Packers. I've been a Packers fan for a long time. The Packers won. We need an Alabama miracle here. Mahomes going to buy the time, circle around, look, flip it up to the end zone. Kelsey down there, what a contact! Incomplete! Uh, in fairness to the Chiefs, half the team is injured, and, you know, if they weren't, oh. they got injured last night. So the Chiefs were pretty dinged up, but the Packers have been surging just a little bit. They hit a little Lambo magic, and it was a pretty good game overall. Sorry, Fred, you missed yeah, a good I know, game. I know, The other uh, sports story of the weekend, of course, was the um, college football playoff, which became somewhat controversial because Florida State beat Louisville the other night. Mizzou didn't get screwed, Sue. I heard that. I can't I believe it. I uh, almost sent you a text, and then I thought, I'm sure his phone is blowing up. We're going to the Cotton Bowl against... Uh, the oh, Fred, you put the, Ohio State. I'm sorry, you can't, you the, have to put the Ohio State. The Ohio State. Why University. is it the? Why did they put the the in there? Do Let's we do know? some investigative uh, reporting on that in the next coming All weeks right. as we get closer to the 29th of December, which is a Friday night. It's a 7 p.m. kickoff. By the way, the game sold out. Sold out today already. Well, at least the allotment from Mizzou. Yeah, they were Alex sending Rich emails. is going to go right. That's wow. what I heard. Yeah, so that that's got to keep the Cotton Bowl folks uh, pretty happy. But the controversy is that Florida State is undefeated. They beat Louisville. They're in a Power Five conference. They don't get to be in the playoff. So this is one of those situations where I actually see it from both both perspectives. I think they got jobbed. There's no doubt about it. Like if I'm a Florida State fan, or if this happens to Mizzou, which this is the kind of thing that happens to Mizzou, I am pissed. On the other hand, I get why why the committee did it. Clay Travis kind of you know nails this, I think, pretty well because they were. It's not like the Super Bowl. It's not like professional athletics. They're trying to get a matchup that sponsors and fans will relate to. I think they got it right, but I understand why Florida State fans are furious and why many people out there who are not big college football fans are kind of just throwing up their hands and saying, what the heck happened here? The big takeaway is Jordan Travis, star quarterback for Florida State, broke his leg uh, in the uh, second half or late in uh, the season in game 10. Florida State then played with their backup in game 11 against Florida and then with their third string quarterback, uh, sorry, in the, in the ACC championship. They had the final two games of the season without their star quarterback and they were substantially worse uh, at that against both Florida and Louisville. So you understand that, Sue? So they, they had no. injured. They were down to their third string quarterback. So even though they won the other night, even though they were undefeated, the committee basically decided, look, you're not the same team that you were during um. the first you know, 9, 10, 11 games of the season. So we think a better matchup is going to be had by uh, an SEC team in Alabama that beat Georgia. This is Boo Corrigan on the committee that made the decision. Florida State is a different team than they were through the first 11 weeks. Uh, Coach Norvell, their players... Their fans, you know, uh, an incredible season. But as you look at who they are as a team right now, uh, without Jordan Travis, without the offensive dynamic that he brings to it, they are a different team. And, and the committee voted uh, Alabama 4 and Florida State 5. So, look, again, they, they kind of got job. They did everything that they needed to do, and they never lost the game, even with a backup quarterback. Yeah, but that committee s- has it within their rules and regulations to say, okay, you know, it's not like the World Series or the NBA playoffs or the Super Bowl where you win, you win, you're in. Now, in, in an interesting way, 
this um this would not happen next year, well, in theory, because there's 12 teams. So if we were in a situation with the same rankings as we have this year, Mizzou would be in the playoff. Oh, I see. I think they would play Alabama. Um, Wouldn't that be something? Something like that. I don't know. Well, it would have been because you'd have, have a couple of teams. You'd have a couple of teams that would have buys, and then they would have gotten into the first round. And I think it would have been against Alabama. But lo and behold, we don't have to worry about that because next year we'll have 12 teams. I think they probably did get it right, even though Florida State's got to play uh, Georgia. By the way, there, there are 14 and a half point underdogs to Georgia in their bowl game. So how how low would that or how large would that point spread be if they had? gotten into the final four we'll talk a little bit about this with frank cusimano later in the show let's get rolling here jim talent's coming up we have more surrogate attacks by iran on u.s naval ships and some other information coming out of gaza and i'll get to the congresswoman jayapal stuff about rape too this afternoon which is horrifying on friday i think it was friday was it thursday that we realized friday the um, appeals court in illinois upheld the conviction for jesse smollett so we reached out to um the attorney for the osandaro brothers gloria rodriguez she's awesome she is awesome she's amazing she'll join us in the uh four o'clock hour jazz shaw from hot air with us this afternoon frank mealy our friend from uh real clear politics and a whole lot more plus an audio cut of the day Coming up this afternoon on a Monday edition of The Mark Reardon Show. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. What are we giving away, Sue? Any idea? I, I heard Cox, I Cox was giving away uh, concert tickets recently. Annie's yeah. giving away Cardinals tickets. What do we have? No, 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 we have nothing, nothing right? Nothing. Uh, third ranked show. What are you going to say? <laughs> Man, fourth after Kill Me, probably, right? Uh, Sue will be coming up with Sue's news after four o'clock in the top of the hour. I have. Um, Let's see. Oh, we mentioned Gloria Rodriguez is going to be here, the uh, attorney for the Osandaro brothers in the Jussie Slamet case. Slamet. <laughs> Smollett. It's Monday, Sue. I can't I even get pronounce it. words. I totally and then Kusumano will be here as well. Jim Talent back with us, former Missouri senator, to talk about some global issues, including the war with Israel and Hamas. How are you, Senator? Good, good afternoon to you. I am well. I'm glad to hear you're doing well on a Monday. Yeah, well, it is a Monday. You know, I'm trying to put the words together. Let me let me start with this. There was a piece that I read, uh, regretfully, in The Guardian by a guy by the name of Omar Bartov. And, and this is the kind—I want to toss this out, not because I believe with what I'm about to um, read, but because this is the kind of thing that you hear even from some of these pro-Hamas protesters or some of the professors across the country. So he says this— 
Um, this was an event waiting to happen. If you keep, and again, some of this narrative is very similar to what we heard. If you keep over 2 million people under siege for 16 years, cramped in a narrow strip of land, without enough work, proper sanitation, food, water, energy, and education, with no hope or future prospects, you cannot but expect outbreaks of ever more desperate and brutal violence. Inexcusable. There's always a, well, inexcusable as those atrocities were. But, Jim, that's the kind of thing that we keep hearing from the uh, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian forces. They basically, and I've compared this a little bit to BLM and what people said in the aftermath of Ferguson, because I heard some of the same justification. But how do you even respond to that? Well, it's it's very difficult to respond to such a complete combination of ignorance and moral inversion, right? So ignorance on the level of, number one, Hamas is not attacking because uh, the Palestinians in Gaza are poor. Right. They wouldn't say that. They're attacking because they want to destroy Israel and kill as many Jews as they can. So they would argue, they would tell this guy, you're crazy. In the second place, who's been governing Gaza? since 2005 when Israel pulled out. The only people... Uh, uh, that Hamas, said, right? <laughs> yeah, Hamas, exactly. I mean, your, your listeners know. I was listening to an interview with Douglas Murray. You, you know who he oh, is. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, he, and he made a point, which I thought was a really good one. He said, look, the only, the only government, the only people in, in the Middle East who care about the Palestinians are the Israelis. I mean, the Jordanians don't do anything for them. They don't want them. The Egyptians aren't going to let a single one into Egypt. Is Who do you think built a hospital, Al-Shifa Hospital? Actually, I think it was built in the late 40s, but the Israelis expanded it. They were doing a lot of good things in Gaza. These people who were killed in these kibbutzes and in these villages were people who wanted peace uh, with the Palestinians. Uh, they were the ones working to allow more of them to go into Israel to work because they knew they were poor. So, yeah, so let, let, just... That's a good point, though, you know, one that other people have made, that there are Muslims and Palestinians that were in Israel, right, and, and have been, but not vice versa. Yeah, Israel has about, I think it's about 20% of the Israeli population are uh, Arabs. They're Muslims. They have full rights. There's a Muslim party that's represented in the Knesset. And, and by the way, those people are supporting Israel in this war. I mean, those, those Arab citizens, many of them are in the IDF. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I, and I actually think that, that many of the people, I, I doubt this Guardian writer, I imagine he's just being disingenuous, but many of these people actually have no understanding of any of this. I mean, if I went, Israel has every his, historical, legal, and moral right to have a homeland uh, in, in that part of the world. I think there's 23 or 24 explicit uh, Islamic countries in the world and another couple of dozen that are majority Muslim. So we can't have one country for the Jews, particularly since it arose on the, you know, in the wake of the Holocaust and after about 70 years of increasing anti-Semitism in Europe. That's why a lot of the people fled there. I mean, you just find at every point. These, these statements are not only not true, they're the exact opposite of the truth. Well, tell me that this isn't 
pie in the sky. So this is the same guy in The Guardian, uh, Omar Bartov, that says, without clearly defined political goals, war tends to devolve into endless destruction and annihilation. The only way out of this conundrum is for Israel to declare that it seeks a peaceful resolution on the conflict with an appropriate and willing Palestinian leadership. Making such a statement would dramatically transform the situation and clear the way for intermediate steps to be taken on the ground, starting with a halt to the mutual killing and the return of all surviving hostages. That's not going to happen, but again... Well, and, it's, and that's not right either. I mean, Israel has a clearly defined goal. They, right. they want to destroy Hamas. Hamas. Yes. And the only way we're going to get peace in that part of the world is if Hamas is destroyed. And as for the two-state solution, Israel took a considerable risk beginning 30 years ago uh, with the Oslo Accords uh, to, uh, to agree to, to the creation of a Palestinian state. It's the PLO first, and then Hamas, who rejected, I think there were three different offers. And I was in office in 1999 when Clinton tried to wrap up uh, an actual accord, and the Israelis were willing to give Arafat like 96% of the West Bank, and he rejected it. And President Clinton was so angry. I mean, I saw him afterwards. I never saw him that angry. Mm. Except uh, one time over the um, over the, the the stain on the dress, uh, you recall that. But yes, let that yes, go. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, he was angry then for a very different reason. And you know, he'll tell you that Israel's done everything it can to create or to to allow the creation of a Palestinian state. But what they want in return is for the leaders of that state to recognize the right of the Jewish state to exist in peace, and they won't. And that's what's underlying all of this violence. Uh, this is a case. I mean, this is Hamas that's doing this, and the Israelis are defending themselves. And they got a right to. By the way, the guy who wrote that was—he's um, uh, a professor at Brown University. So here he is, you know, academia guy here in this country, which maybe should come as no surprise for a lot of people. On a on a military uh, front, let me ask. I never asked you this question. I saw this recommended in a piece about a month ago, and then I never saw anybody followed up, and I'm guessing maybe there's not a, an effective way to do this, but somebody wrote at one point, why don't you flood the tunnels? Is that even, have you heard that strategy, oh. and is that even possible? Yeah, I'm guessing if it was possible, uh, you probably would do it already. Well, that's that's one thing they're considering doing. Um, for one thing, they don't know where the hostages are right now. So that's kind of a constraint what they're doing is they're and they're and it's a very workmanlike job and so far it's going it's slow uh, because they have to try and you know do it first of all while limiting uh, casualties to civilians but also to protect the they have to do force protection they have to protect the IDF but they're finding these tunnels and basically blowing them up and they're they're destroying the infrastructure and now they're turning south you know they bisected uh, the Gaza Strip in two. They closed the net around Gaza City, and now they're going south, and they're going to do the same thing, and they're not going to stop. I mean, as, as, as the Israelis will tell you, they have to restore deterrence. I mean, they have to respond in this fashion. I think one of them said, we're not going to be able to exist here in the Middle East if we don't restore deterrence. So this is absolutely vital. Uh, we need to continue supporting them. The I guess I'd give the administration a B-minus so far. Um, you know, Blinken did that face plant last week when he said, told the Israelis they were running out of credit. Well, they're not going to run out of credit if we keep supporting them. Where, where does the here's something I hear repeated quite a bit. And I, I've heard it even I haven't gotten into this uh, Congresswoman Jaipel, you know, comment about rape. But they keep repeating the pro-Palestinian folks 
saying uh, Israel's killed 15,000 civilians, 15,000 civilians over and over and over again. Does that number have any credibility? I mean, there's no doubt that civilians no, have, been, no. have been killed, I but that, that, that could, seems to be a talking it, point. It probably comes from the, um, the Palestinian uh, health service, right? <laughs> which, is a, which is a tool. Nothing Hamas says has any credibility. Nothing, okay? I haven't seen a figure from the Israelis um, and I, I would I would tend to trust whatever they say. I mean, they have to be careful because everything they say is checked, you know, 1,500 times over. I, but I, I would doubt seriously that figure is that high. But those deaths of, of Palestinian civilians are Hamas's responsibility. Mark, you know, it is officially a war crime to place military installations or assets in civilian centers. And Hamas does it deliberately. I, the IDF is trying to protect Israeli civilians from Hamas, and Hamas is using civilians to protect itself from the IDF. That's what's going on, and it's a war crime. But they don't care. I mean, we saw what they did. That was probably, and I've been around a long time, that was, that was the most brutal thing I think I've ever seen. And then, and then to video it and, you know, to laugh hysterically, to, call, to take a cell phone of somebody who just butchered, and call their parents up and tell them, you know, we just killed, you know, 10 people here, including your kids. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's beyond, uh, it's, it's a disservice to barbarians to say it's barbaric. Former Senator Jim Talent with us this afternoon. Sal, we have more, you know, reports on things that are happening related to Iran. You have a Navy destroyer that shot down three drones that opened fire on ships in the Red Sea. Well, how serious is this right now? And I, I still don't think we have a handle on what this all means for the entire conflict in the Middle East. Well, this is another side of it, okay? So there are a number of, of Iranian proxies in the region. Hamas, Hezbollah, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, the militia brigades in Iraq, and the Houthis. So I looked up the Houthis' motto, okay? Their, their motto, let me see if I can remember, it's God is greatest, death to America, we're first, uh, death to Israel, cursed be the Jews, and victory to Islam. That's their motto. It's a Shia terrorist group. Although the Biden administration took them off the terrorist list when they came into power. They control large parts of Yemen, which is, um, which is on the border of both the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. So they can shoot missiles north towards Israel. Okay, And what happened was they shot, uh, I think, three cruise missiles. And uh, the United States had a destroyer, uh, the Kearney which had gone through the Suez Canal and was moving south of the Red Sea, and the missiles were going directly over the Kearney, and they shot them down, which was not difficult for that destroyer because they're, you know, they're loaded with missile interceptors and missiles. This is, uh, Iran is activating its proxies uh, to try and cause as much trouble as possible. They've attacked American forces 74 times. I, I, that, I don't know what time frame that is. And the administration has been very lethargic in response, and that's the reason they keep attacking. Okay, so so we need to impose costs and consequences with Iran, beginning with not sending them the six billion dollars, not unfreezing the ten billion dollars that in that are in Iraq, and cracking down on their oil shipments to China, which is getting a very good deal buying oil at below market price from the Iranians. But first, the Biden administration has got to stop its love affair with Iran. Well, I don't get it. Why do they love Iran? What, what's the deal? Well, this dates back to the Obama administration. Uh, 
um, which which believed this is President Obama believed that you could construct a security arrangement, a stable and acceptable security arrangement around a partnership with Iran. And, you know, the Iranians have never backed away for a second from their goals, which is the destruction of the United States. I mean, these are what this is what their proxies believe. It's what they what they believe, the destruction of Israel and, by the way, the domination of the Middle East which is why the Saudis and the Gulf states and the Egyptians and the Jordanians, um, their number one goal is to constrain Iran. That's why the Abraham Accords came about, because these, these, um, these Sunni um, uh, Islamic regimes realized the, the, the big enemy is Iran, not Israel. Former. But uh, look, I I cannot explain it. It 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 I it's it's one of the I just can't explain why Obama did it and why Biden keeps trying to to do these deals with Iran. It's baffling. Former Missouri Senator Jim Talent. Before I let you go, I, I would guess I could be wrong. We're going to test the waters here. That someone like you, with all the foreign policy experience you had, have had had some um, run-ins with Henry Kissinger over the decades. True or not? I did. I uh, I served on the Defense Policy Board. Uh, with Secretary Kissinger, and um, he, I, I came home after one meeting and said, well, Brenda, I can cross something off my bucket list. Uh, Henry Kissinger called me Jim today, <laughs> which, uh, you know, he was, um, he was a great figure, which doesn't mean he was right all the time. Right, right. Uh, he was wrong about a lot to include China, but he had the, you know, he had the intellectual and emotional security to basically admit that in the last year or two. So he was he was a great man and and very I mean uh, he was like ninety seven ninety eight when I was on that board with him sharp as attack. Wow, I mean just outside of anything that would have happened with Henry Kissinger as his legacy, just just from May twenty seventh to November twenty ninth, one hundred hundred and a half years he was on the planet. The things that you would have seen and experienced during that time, Jim. Talent. Yeah, that's right, unbelievable. All right, hey, listen, thank you so much. Our best to Brenda. We'll see her on the roundtable soon. Thank you, Jim Talent. Okay. All right, take care. All right, we got Sue's News coming up after 4 o'clock. Jazz Shaw from HotAir.com coming up a little later this afternoon. we got Gloria Rodriguez after Sue's News, who is the attorney from Chicago who represented the Osendario brothers from uh, the Jussie Smollett case. And an appeals court upheld his conviction, but they say they may take it to the Supreme, so we're yeah. going to find out. Sue, I know you worked uh, this morning. Did you catch, because a lot of people dip out, as I often do on the weekend, the controversy over um, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal's comments on CNN yesterday? I did not. Dan Bash. So she's the Washington state member of the squad, right? You have Tlaib up there right. in um, Minnesota. You got Omar. In, oh, I'm sorry, Tlaib in Michigan, Omar in Minnesota. Corey Bush is here. I think I'm missing someone from um, mm. from Maryland. Maybe I... Maybe I assigned someone to Maryland that should have been in Minnesota. But the bottom line is, is that um, Pramila Jayapal doesn't think that when it comes to, you know, the Me Too moment was was really a big thing in this country. Right. And yeah. we were taught to believe women, especially when they say they were raped, but not if they're Israeli women. OK, oh, just no. to be clear. I've condemned Specifically all of women. the actions. Absolutely. The, the rape, the of course. But I think we have to remember that. Israel is a democracy. That is why they are a strong ally of ours. Respect, I was just asking about the, the women, and you turned it back to Israel. 
I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific, and okay. I think that rape is horrific, sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about Balance. bringing in the... <laughs> outrages against Palestinians. And children. it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping. Yeah. Um, well, Dana, I think women. we're not, we're not, I, I don't want this to be the hierarchy of oppressions. Right. I think 15,000 people be. have been killed. Yeah, so there you go. You got the 15,000. They keep tossing that out there. I've heard that it's quite not a bit from real. Tlaib as well. By the way, it was, you know, Presley from Massachusetts is the other uh, squad member. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's real or well, not. I mean, it, we're, we're going to have to admit that there were civilians probably that have of been course, killed. Of course, but 15,000? Yeah, they, they like to focus on that number there. But she, you know, a couple things on that. Dana Bash did not let her off the hook. No. Okay. And there was a little bit more to that cut. Uh, even the White House is horrified, I think. Here's KJP. I can only speak for, for the president. Uh, that's who I can speak for. And we've been clear what uh, Hamas did is absolutely reprehensible and full stop. We're going to continue to be clear about that. And we think about, um, you know, rape and the use of rape as being used as a as a weapon. Well, it's a war crime. I mean, th there's no justification whatsoever. And there's really not a but. And that's what she was doing. There was, well, you know, um, they shouldn't be doing it. But, but Israel's bad, too. And that's exactly it's always the uh, whataboutism, which is playing here. So here's even when you've lost Hillary Clinton. It is outrageous that some who claim to stand for justice are closing their eyes and their hearts to the victims of Hamas. I, I hate to give her any credit whatsoever, but I did think that was an interesting yep. juxtaposition. Jessica Tarloff, who is a, um, she, she's a D. She's on Fox, though. She's on The Five quite a bit. She was talking about this today. This is another level. I mean, and to have the access to the reports that the Congresswoman does, we're not talking about, you know, standard rape. I can't even know I'm saying that. We're talking about eight men on one woman, and you can now hear that woman's cries. I'm going to die anyway. Just please kill me. Children with shattered pelvises, mm -hmm. right? These are not like something that you would even see in a movie. People wouldn't conceive of these kinds of crimes. Yeah, so she's referring to one particular case where the woman basically begged the terrorists to kill her as they were raping her, saying, you're going to do it anyway. Just, you know, get it over. So think about what, what happened there and what she's saying in this circumstance. Even I even have some responses here. Uh, Christina Pelosi, who is I think she's the documentary maker. She's Nancy Pelosi's daughter, says, I should not have to say this in 2023, but here we are. Rape is rape. Do not minimize, excuse, balance or both sides sexual assault. That is victim blaming. We have spent decades trying to undo in laws the courts and the hearts of the minds of people. Hashtag we said enough. So. Here's a moment where I would have to agree with uh, Christine Pelosi because I think she's right about that. I'm shocked. And do you hear? Again, I give credit to Dana Bash, but are the other members of the squad being asked these questions and do they agree with her? And I don't know how much they're making themselves available. I've seen some of them being shouted down in the hallways by, you know, reporters, Fox mm. reporters, et cetera, and then they just turn their head the other way. But that, in a sea of stunning, that's pretty stunning when you think about it. When you think about what she said in the context, given a chance, basically, to um to back off that comment and say, well, I didn't mean that, it's but appalling. she didn't. She doubled down several times. Here's Kristen Gillenbrand at the UN. When I saw the list of women's rights organizations who have said nothing, I nearly choked. Where is the solidarity for women in this country and in this world to stand up 
for our mothers, our sisters, and our daughters. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a real interesting question, isn't it? Considering yeah. the circumstances right now. She's a senator from New York, by the way, and she was at the, uh, the United Nations. So this, this thing continues to be very confusing, very disgusting in many ways. I don't think that um, we're going to have any kind of solution in any way, shape, or form soon. Well, and here we are. Aren't we about two? We're going to be about two years into the Ukraine war in January, February, I right? Think believe you're right. it or not. So right. how long all these things are going to last, I have no idea. And we appreciate Senator Talent coming on here to talk about his perspective this afternoon. But the disgusting nature of the comments relating to this continues to grow. And I don't think they're backing off on that mm. whatsoever. So we'll um, likely feature some of that in audio cut of the day a little bit later this afternoon. I mentioned Sue's got Sue's news. Gloria Rodriguez is coming up, who represented the uh, the two brothers who essentially were paid to stage the attack on Jesse Smollett that he still insists he was innocent of. An appeals court found in the other direction. Although, Sue, you were telling me that, like, there were three, were there three judges on that panel? There typically are. And one of them may have sided with Jesse, which is Correct. why they're, they're still trying to take this to the Supremes. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to find out from Gloria. Gloria Rodriguez, who represented the brothers, who's been great to us. She was She's awesome fabulous. during the whole trial. She hooked us up earlier this year with the two brothers. I'm planning on playing that Christmas week, by the way, because that, those were amazing interviews. So we've saved those for a best of when we're off for a few days during the uh, the holidays. So that's coming up. Jazz Shaw from Hot Air this afternoon. Frank Mealy, who is with Real Clear Politics and has written the book called What Matters Most, God, Country, Family, and Friends. And he wrote a piece about the Biden administration that's relatable to everything we're talking about in the news right now. Plus, we have an audio cut of the day coming up as well and a whole lot more. Tomorrow, we're going to go to Iowa. Uh, our friend Joel Curtinitis, I hooked up with Joe. Boy, it goes way back, I think, to 2015, even before 2016, talking about the Iowa caucuses. He's kind of our guy in Des Moines. He'll give us the latest See if there's any shifting in the polling or anything else just a few weeks ahead of those um, caucuses tomorrow afternoon. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.